Welcome to the Sea Change Show, where leaders are changing business culture for good. I am your host, Maura Barclay. If you are new to the show, welcome. You did not find us by accident. Stop what you're doing, unless you're driving, of course. Stop what you're doing. Click subscribe, hit that plus sign, follow us, and please rate and review the show so other people know what this show is all about and what we're trying to accomplish here. And if you are a frequent flyer, welcome back, my friends. We are so glad to have you in the Sea Change family. This is a highlight episode, and I wanted to touch on some of the, what I thought were really relevant topics that Brian Accart brought to the party. If you don't know who Brian is, Brian Accart was episode 24, which went live on Thursday, October 27th. He is a lawyer and he is chief of staff at a massive healthcare network on the East Coast. And we talked about a lot of things. He's also a black man. So there was a lot to unpack because he's in a position where he gets to interact and guide executives. So the thing that we talked about that I really gravitated towards has a lot to do with hiring differently. And because he's a black man in this fantastic position of leadership, we were talking about his education and how one of his professors actually came to him and encouraged him to stick with it because he was struggling with the whole legal, he was struggling with law school. And if I recall, he was feeling a little demoralized because there are so many obstacles for people of color, for underrepresented groups, specifically for black men and women. So many obstacles that white men simply don't see. And to some degree to white women don't see. So I certainly count myself in the privilege of, I would say, lack of obstacles, which I call the privilege of omission, okay? One of the things he talked about was how this professor spoke with him and encouraged him to keep going because he recognized that Brian had talent and skills well beyond his grades. This is absolutely key when we are talking about hiring differently. The majority of complaints, or I would say laments of hiring managers, of recruiters, is there's no qualified Black people. Now, this has been proven over and over to be false. Where they are looking, that might be true. There are so many resources now of just Black men and women in tech, for example. I think there's, if I saw correctly, there was a website or um, I think it is a website or service called Hire Black. It's really clear. And there's Black women in tech. These women, these men and women are whip smart, very talented, and they have a point of view that the majority of tech hires don't have. And let's be clear, Asian men are not diverse in tech. They are the majority. 
In fact, I have a, a friend of mine who works at a Fortune 500 who will remain nameless. He's in a director role and he has an international team. I think he has 30 people on his team and they are everywhere. They're in Singapore. They're in Eastern Europe. They, I believe they even have a, a team in Africa. They have a team in India. And of course they have an American team. And the thing that he told me, which surprised me is the following. In Singapore, his team, all Singaporeans. In Eastern Europe, they're all Eastern Europeans. In India, team, all Indian men. In America, team, all Indian men. <laughs> so they are doing this massive hiring. They're like doubling the size of their department and he's working with his hiring manager and the man hiring manager gave him like 20 Indian guys. And he's like, Hey, we need some different points of view. I would like some different skill sets and skill sets and some different work styles, all these things. And the hiring manager just kept giving him the same people. The hiring manager is not a criminal. This is not someone with a bias against black people. This is a man hiring manager who has a quota who has pressure and who is trying to fulfill a task with the least amount of resistance. And he's just, he or she, I actually don't know the gender of this hiring manager, going with the flow, which means how can I do my job as efficiently as possible, which means going to the trusted pools. Unfortunately, the trusted pools don't have a diverse candidate group. So, this is again, one of those uh, privilege by omission. It is the omission of effort to take maybe three hours to search for credible diverse pools or delegating it. I'm sure there are plenty of young kids who would be totally on board and nobody knows how to Google search get credible things like these young, uh, like Gen Z uh, millennials, right? And I know I'm making assumptions, but if you're a digital native, you know how to do a search. Okay. End of that subject. So I would say kind of no fault of the hiring managers, but now we're getting into a time where the research is so clear that it will become the fault of hiring managers if they do not attempt to tap additional pools. Before this was not a requirement, there was no reporting on this. The ISO has developed new guidelines for human capital reporting. And there are 10 very clear guidelines. I'm calling them the, tan, the 10 commandments because they're all about diversity and inclusion, about, well, I mean, you name it. It's all of the things that haven't been tracked before in a meaningful way, which means suddenly hiring managers is going to be, they are beholden to check other sources because diversity and inclusion, transparency, all these things, it's now become a compliance issue. So the, the thing that really resonated with me about Brian was he talked about one, this mentorship, which is so important because it helped him see that beyond his grades, he had way more to give. And part of hiring differently, a part of having a successful 
hire outside the homogenized team, whatever that team might be. And that's why I'm bringing up the point about these Asian men in tech, they're the homogenized team. So actually hiring a white guy is the diversity candidate, right? So it's all totally relative folks. When it comes to hiring black men and women, white women and people of color and trans and disabled, I, I notoriously forget to include these very important demographics in, in my examples. It's no longer about their education because there is a systemic disadvantageous disadvantage because there is a systemic disadvantage to people of color, to women, to trans, to the uh, disabled, okay? Because of that systemic inequity, there needs to be an equitable adjustment. And that is skill set. Obviously, if you need someone who can code, they can code. But demanding that they go to these schools or have had these internships is completely counterproductive and will get you more of the same. So the point that I want to make here, and I've made this point a couple of times in different because different people have brought it up, this was a story of one of the founders of a startup, very successful startup. He and his partner, both white guys from San Francisco, found themselves at an executive meeting full of white guys. And at one point they, he looked around and was all oh, going, oh my gosh, look, how did we wind up here? Like, I am a progressive guy. Why am I surrounded by other white men? We're all the same. We all think the same. And oh, by the way, our client base Lots of people of color, lots of black men and women. We got to get, oh, we got to get a diverse, we've got to get some diverse voices in here. So they started sending him resumes and what he called blue chip candidates, people who he expects and was, he had an unconscious bias to people who have been through this particular system. And he recognized that he kept wanting different people to look the same on paper. This is, this is Brian's journey. He's like, so worried about his grades. The, guy, the professor's like, do not worry about it. You have a skill set and a talent beyond your skin color that is going to carry you. And sure enough, he did pass the bar. He did become an attorney and he worked his way up and is now the chief of staff at this incredibly huge medical network because they had the ability to transcend this blue chip candidate concept and look at skills and look at point of view. So it's much more important that you have a candidate that is aligned with your culture. If you want to talk about culture ad, that's fine. But there has to be cultural alignment before you can have culture add. And that is what everybody needs to be looking for. Every hiring manager needs to be, first of all, if you're not sure what your culture is, if you don't have that firmly established and translated and mapped to your job description, then when you interview, you won't know whether or not they're aligned. It's, it's incredibly important to have your core values mapped to your 
on or, uh, mapped to your application, to your candidate process, and then of course to onboarding. This is why culture continuity is so, so important. When you are going outside the box into the unfamiliar, into diverse candidates, it's critical that you have a universal mindset already established. Things like work ethic, innovative thinking, ability to have respectful, candid conversations, not just with peers, but with direct supervisors. That's a very particular skill set that requires emotional intelligence and a comfort with their own personal authority and a willingness to take a personal and professional risk to give that level of feedback. That is a core value that you can promote, model, and expect and reward. So as you're bringing diverse candidates in, it's essential that you have culture continuity so that they know what's expected and they can bring their authentic selves. Now, if they are the kind of people, regardless of skin color folks, who are secretive, who have a scarcity mentality, who are hyper-competitive or in some way toxic with their personality. I don't like that word. Ugh, I got to find a better word. Who are in some ways, I would say, counterproductive or destructive. They like to chop people down because they're very insecure. They are competitive because they're insecure. They like to ambush people. They like to sabotage people. These are, these are typically, not typically, these can be very high performers and it's easy to get distracted by all the shiny things of their bullet points on their resume. I accomplished this. I sold that, particularly with sales. People can generate money. If they do not align to your culture, they will not be able to add to it. As you are making your way through the diverse hiring shifts, realize they will look different. They will feel different. That is the touchstone of we're on the right track. Make sure you have your core value-based culture firmly integrated, clearly integrated into your job description, into your interview process. That way you can interview into any perceived culture gaps to make sure that they are aligned with your culture first and that they would then add their unique point of view. Very different than culture fit. We want people to be able to come with their behaviors. That's what culture is. It's about behavior, right? This is how Brian Eckhart was able to do what he did because he was aligned with all the culture and was able to bring his unique skill sets, his unique point of view with his skill sets. You've got 20 people who are all lawyers. How many of them align with your culture? Now, how many of them are adding to your culture with a different point of view? Now it's no longer about skin color. It is about lived experience. And oftentimes, different lived experience translates into different skin colors, different cultures, right? So it's not just about your ethnicity. It's about what you're adding after it has been firmly established that you align with the culture. 
if take Ray Dalio, <laughs> I love, if you haven't read principles by Ray Dalio, get it today and start listening to it on audible. The thing I love about Ray Dalio and I like, I want, I hear that like people don't last more than gosh, what is their, what is their attrition rate? It's like 30% of their people quit in the first 18 months. And I feel like, Ooh, give them to me. I get, let me coach them. I will give you, I will, I will take it down to 2%, 2 to 5% attrition. That's an opportunity. Someone like me sees that as an opportunity. His thing is he has created a real meritocracy, which means super direct feedback. Many people can't handle it because they're not accustomed to it. So they can talk about what it means to have a, tr a real meritocracy and they can talk about the core value of are you good with feedback? Do you give feedback well? But they don't really dig into the day to day. They don't really challenge them. They must not be challenging them enough in the interview process to make sure that they are aligned with the culture and that they would be adding to it versus like, can you take it? That's not cultural alignment. Are you into it? That's cultural alignment. <laughs> Please read Dalio and your people. I want to, I want to do an experiment. I won't even charge you. I just want to, I'm almost positive. I can help you reduce your attrition and hang on to your people and save you a ton of money. And if I do, I want a piece of it. That's how you'll pay me. All right. So culture alignment is everything. And having a different point of view is more important than grades or where you went to school. Listen, if they've got the skill set and they have cultural alignment, take your pick of people because you can train people to have skills. You can train people. Again, you're not going to hire someone who can't do the basic, fund the fundamental skills of the job, but you can upskill them. You can help them iterate. Through professional development, that is what the whole point is. Career pathing, personal and professional development as they grow with your company. Hire people who are into it. That's what culture alignment is. It's not can you handle it. It's are you into it? Not is it okay with you? Are you into it? Why would you get into a relationship with someone who's like, I think I could swing that. No. <laughs> Are you into me? Are you already kind of doing what I'm doing? Do we share these sort of behaviors like every day? Are you into it? All right. Let's see what you can add to it. All right. That's my piece. Go and check out Brian's original interview. It was Thursday, October 27th, episode 24. He's amazing. I really appreciated him bringing his wisdom to the show. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next week. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Sea Change Show. We sure appreciate you stopping by and taking your very valuable time to visit with us. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Who knows what's going to happen? I never do. It's always up in the air. And if you would like to be a guest, if you have something to offer, I would love to talk to you please email me at cultureworks at morabarclay.com. 
and that's M-A-U-R-A-B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. I would love to talk with you, and if you have someone who you think would be a good fit for this show, please reach out to me and connect me. I want to keep celebrating and amplifying as many of these voices as possible. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.